Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Relentless Daring, live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are tuning in on Podbean as of 10.20 on a Saturday night, you may have been trying to listen to me on Ramble.fm. Well, I was uh, taking part in a beta trial for Ramble, and, well, let's face it, when I do my survey to say how I enjoyed the experience, it's not going to be very pleasant as no one could tune into the live stream. So to those of you who are trying to get on and listen to the uh, listen to the Ramble live stream, I apologize wholeheartedly that <laughs> it failed miserably. Um. But again, when when you're trying to grow a new platform, because when I tried doing this the other day or yesterday to make sure everything would work right, it worked fine uh, for when I was trying it. And so I don't know why it wasn't working just now. Um, so I apologize for the delay and any frustrations you may have uh, you may want to take out on me. Please don't make the beatings too bad. Um, but Kim, thank you for join, joining in the, uh, the live chat here. Lady Die, glad you're in the room as well. Um, hopefully there's more people. Hopefully uh, there's more people. I, I put out the word that, hey, go over here because this will actually have it on. Um. Again, thank you for tuning in. So, as I was saying before, everyone started blowing up my Twitter and text message that uh, the other platform wasn't working. Yesterday afternoon, in the middle of the Friday afternoon news dump, it was released that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was diagnosed with liver cancer. And I'm going to be 100% upfront before I begin any commentary on this. I am not wishing any ill will or taking any joy and satisfaction in this horrible, horrible diagnosis. Um, in young, healthy people, Liver cancer has a five-year survival rate of 33%. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 87. 
my heart goes out to her and her family. Because I know this is not an easy time, I have several family members who are dealing with various forms of cancer. Again, I wish no ill will upon Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But, there, there's some timing issues that, that give me pause. Because at 87 years old, we know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is not going to step down in case of the uh, in case of Donald Trump being reelected. She has made it clear when she extended uh, contracts for clerks and other staffers for an additional five years. Last year, she was taking. She was taking no chances of stepping down during a second Trump presidency. So we know that she she is an ideologue. She is the far left anchor of the Supreme Court's liberal wing. And she's not going to give it up. So, this makes me wonder, again, when she made the announcement, <laughs> Lady Die Here's Copper, yes, uh, that's my English Mastiff who loves to carry on the background for some reason. She waits till now when I'm trying to do a show to start yapping. One of these days, I will be in a room that has a door that can close. I know. It'll be really professional and radio-like. But, you know, you know uh, rotted bailing twine budget, I do with what I can. But anyways, she made the announcement that she'd been undergoing treatment since May. Okay, she's been going two months of treatment, that's fine. So, you know, she discovered it, you know, she started getting treated for it, going through chemo. And she was diagnosed in February. Wait. So you're telling us five months after your diagnosis that you have cancer? Didn't put out a press release back in February where maybe he's like, hey, I was diagnosed with this. But I'm still going to do everything in my power to uh, to serve on the court, to be at all the meetings. Which be fine. Oh, hello. I got a lady die beeping. Now what? This is the first time I'm taking a call on this platform, ladies and gentlemen. I hope it works. And connect. Hello? Apparently it didn't work. I tried clicking the button and it didn't connect. Again, first time for everything. Maybe she'll try again later. I don't know. But, so, my question is, if, if she was diagnosed in February, now I can understand taking some time because they won't do tests, try to figure out what 
uh, what medicines will possibly work best against her form of her form of liver cancer because it's all different. And so taking and so taking some time to make sure they're doing they're going to hit it with the right tools. Okay, that that kind of explains why they took a couple months, you know, tests. But did they wait till from May until July to have a few weeks of treatment and then more tests to see is it doing anything? Is it growing? Is it slowing down? Is it shrinking? Has it metastasized? Because she's had other types of cancer in the past. And she's beating it back. She's a fighter. I mean, she really is. But the question is, though, are they just now announcing that she has it just to, because it's terminal? I, I don't know. I do, I'm just asking questions. Again, as I said before I began this segment, I have no ill will towards Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I wish her all the best in her treatment regimen, and, you know, I'm praying for her family because it's an awful thing to have to go through, especially as you get older and your body is not able to uh, be as resilient in fighting these kind of diseases. I mean, she was just in the hospital, what, a week ago? Because she was uh, because of an infection. Apparently, my dogs have decided that right now is the time that they want to have a uh, pro wrestling match. Um, it's just I don't know. This again, yeah, it's horrible news, and and I don't. I don't want anything bad to come of it. Um. But if then it comes up to the question, what happens cause if she were to actually die from the cancer? I mean, is it going to be one of those situations where are we going to have to hear about you know a Merrick Garland situation? Well, it's the Biden rule. You you can't send off a a judicial nominee and. You know, Supreme Court justice in an election year. I mean, that, that was all we heard about for like the last four or five months of the Obama administration was Merrick Garland this, Merrick Garland that. He didn't even get his chance. They wouldn't even talk to him. Which, okay, if they, if they didn't want to, you know, deal with that, they should have just, Gave it an up and down vote and said, okay, well, we'll do the confirmation. If we're not going to seat you in the middle of an election year, we'll just say, no, we're not confirming you. That's that's the uh, make sense thing to do. Unfortunately, they didn't want to go with the make sense thing because politics, politics, politics. And is that what would happen now? Well, it's the... Uh, You know, the election year, she's passed away, or she decides that she is going to step down, which, again, I don't think she'll do. I think she'll be there till, you know, she breathes her last because 
that is how ideologically uh, hung up she is, that she has to be there for that side of the court. I, I don't know. But again, all my wishes, all my prayers are for her and her family as they're going through these difficult times. And it's a shame that, you know, we have, I have to, you know, take time to talk about just because it has such a possibly upending effect on the Supreme Court. And policy that it can affect from in the future. All right, so uh, some of the other insanity in the world uh, people have been talking about for since yeah, the whole coronavirus thing started. Oh, oh you have to get a vaccine. Uh, how are you going to prove you have a vaccine so you can go back to work? Oh my gosh, a hand-wringing, pearl-clutching. But, well, ladies and gentlemen, never fear, Bill Gates is here. Kim says, no, she's not getting the vaccine, nor am I. The U.S. government has injected enough things into me. I'm good. I mean, I've been vaccinated against smallpox twice. So, um, in a story from reclaimthenet.org, headline, Digital ID, Bill Gates Vaccine Record, and Payment System Combo to be Trialed in Africa. Africa is now becoming the testing ground for a biometric digital identity platform developed in a partnership between MasterCard, TrustStamp, and Bill Gates' GAVI Vaccine Alliance. While TrustStamp provides identification authentic- authentication through AI, GAVI is an international organization created by tech mogul Bill Gates for supposedly helping underprivileged children access new, as well as, quote, underused, end quote, vaccines. The digital identity platform was first launched in 2018 and is now going to be implemented in the remote and low-income communities of West Africa. Gavi and MasterCard have created a digital vaccination record known as Wellness Pass. Now the platform will be well or. <clears throat> now the platform will be integrated with this wellness pass. <laughs> uh, Lady Di says, do not trust that fool. I agree. I'm not exactly a fan of Bill Gates and some of his initiatives. And this one just seems a little um creepy. The biometric digital identity platform will have the vaccination records from Gabby a payment system through MasterCard, and AI-based identity authentication via TrustStamp. As of now, the whole project has been funded via donor funds to Gavi, which amount to nearly $4 million and a similar donation amount from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, with the COVID-19 saga in full swing, TrustStamp's authentication 
system is integrated with Wellness Pass. Once the vaccine for coronavirus is made available, it will be integrated into the whole system to keep track of the vaccinations in West Africa. It is worth noting that the whole biometric identity, digital identity platform, oh my god, they can they come up with a freaking acronym? Kim says it sounds like the mark of the beast. Um, or maybe little, you know, you know, 1930s Germany. Ah, uh, yes, papers, papers, please. Yes, you have your papers so you may travel. Yes. It's, it's a lot of uh, civil liberty wrecking baloney. Uh, MasterCard, which is also in the alliance, says it will be fulfilling its visions of a, quote, world beyond gas, end quote. That's outlined, that was outlined a few years ago. What's more, Trustamp, the organization providing AI-based authentication, is also looking to commercialize its proprietary technology. Uh, MasterCard says that Trustamp is looking to partner with, quote, correctional systems, end quote, to provide authentication services to individuals on parole without the need for ankle bracelets. What seems to be an effort to improve immunization measures can also be an experiment for fine-tuning the technologies involved before they're made available for widespread global use. Um, again, there's a lot here that gives me pause. Uh, not necessarily because I'm crazy conspiracy theorist, but there's a lot of things seem to be uh, hindering uh, civil liberties. Say, especially now, I don't know what civil liberties they have in Africa, because again, I really am not from Africa, and I don't know how their constitutions are set up. You know, it, and obviously in places like Zimbabwe, where you have crazy ass dictators like Robert Mugabe. Um, there's a distinct lack of civil liberties, especially if you're a white minority and you've had all of your, all of your property taken from you by, uh, the communist dictatorship that set itself up once the, uh, once the British turned over, or ended colonial rule and returned the power to the people there. Hey, Sean finally got into the room. Again, Sean, I'm sorry the other platform wasn't working. It really was doing the best I could. Unfortunately, new technology, it has it has kinks. But um So when it comes to all this stuff, if it begins to get implemented in the United States, again, they have an AI platform that's digital technology to, you know, facial recognition via AI. I mean, how are they going to implement that if it's just, oh, well, it's just passive tracking. Yeah, we're going to... We, we want to really use it to, to track parolees. They don't have to wear an ankle monitor. Uh, 
First of all, not all parolees wear ankle monitors. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But why do we want to link together the ability to make purchases, you know, to engage in commerce? Why do we want to link that with, have you had your vaccine yet? I mean, that seems just a little, um, kind of fascistic. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have your pass card. Yeah, you're not going to be able to make your purchase here. Oh, these, uh, this AI system, it's showing that you haven't had the vaccine. It's linked to our payment system, so we can't take your money. Or, oh, it popped up in the system. It recognized you that you haven't had your shot. Get out of our store. I mean, th there's a lot that goes in here. And I don't know if you, anyone's ever been to a place like South Korea where I think the only place that per capita has more surveillance cameras than Seoul is London. And if the South Korean government really wanted, they could track you everywhere you go. Just using nothing but cameras. There's been a number of times where U.S. soldiers have either been saved from prosecution in a South Korean judicial system because of the bajillion security cameras that are everywhere, or they have been hung out to dry on the South Korean judicial system because, well, they were caught on camera and they just followed from camera to camera to camera to camera to camera, find out where they were going and just pick them up there. It's insane. The, uh, you know, you go out on the streets in South Korea, the number of cameras are just looking everywhere. And would they implement something like that here in the States? Because, you know, to to be augmented with the new, did you get your shot card? I mean, say, like, oh, well, a AI shows that he's trying to enter this store. Now, let's see where he's going. You know, maybe we can catch him and, you know, compel him to get his shot. So that way he'll be a, he'll be a citizen in good standing with the state. That's just a creepy idea in 20, oh, it's 20, I was going to say a creepy idea in 2020 America, but in 2020 America, anything is possible these days. Not enough Knob Creek to get that one to go, to be able to uh, stomach that one very much. But the idea that in America, you have to do this to be a citizen in good standing. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm being crazy conspiratorial nut job. <laughs> uh, Kim says that 2020 is scarier than any horror movie. I know, right? I mean, I I was driving home from Bible study. Michael Myers was staying in the road with that creepy uh, painted William Shatner mask and giant knife. I was, 
He was just asking for directions because he was lost. <laughs> then I looked at the calendar and ooh, chills, man. This went right down my spine. And it's like I said, it you you don't want to go down this conspiracy theory mindset that oh my gosh. Look at what they're doing, man. I don't want to sound like Alex Jones, but get the tinfoil hat. But it's really... Some of the stuff that's being proposed, and the fact they're doing it in Africa, because we just want to use underused vaccines to help them out. Like, like what vaccines are being underused these days? Uh, Many... Many pharmaceutical companies donate millions of doses of vaccine to, you know, poor countries like in Africa, South America, and Asia, you know, partly because of the tax write-off and partly because they can subsidize the cost of those through the American market because, you know, well, if we donate one million doses of MMR vaccine to the to the Congo, then we can raise the cost of what's being injected in the states that we're charging insurance company and Medicaid, and we can get an actual return on investment because the vaccines are so cheap. <laughs> Uh, Kim says, as long as I don't have llamas in my studio like Alex Jones, I'll be good. Um, I don't have llamas. However, I do have a 90-pound dog who is the size of a small alpaca. I mean, I mean, she doesn't spit, but she does drool everywhere. So, I mean, uh, so I kind of straddling the fence on if I'm good or not on that one. But... Getting out of the world of the insane and going to the more insane. So, <laughs> and more vocal than an alpaca. I don't think I've ever heard an alpaca or a llama, for that matter, make a noise. Other than when they spit, and it's kind of like they get grunting sound when they do that. So, um, Everything is, these days is racist, going into a new topic. And everything, we, it's just not, not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And anything you say proves that you're a racist. I, I made this joke a few weeks ago, but um, being accused of white fragility... Is a lot like the scene from Monty Python, the Holy Grail. The the witch trial. You could be a normal, unassuming American, and all my dogs have lost their minds. I apologize, but... The, uh... And the scene... In that scene, you know, they come up and she's a witch, burn her. Well, and everything they say and do, everything she says and does, there's just more evidence she's a witch. 
I, I these these are not my clothes. They dressed me like this. They did. Well, maybe may, may a little the the nose, and so on and so forth. And it ends up at the end end of it. Well, she they determine she's a witch and she's going to be burned because she weighs as much as a duck. Well, in twenty twenty America, our equivalent to weighing as much of it as a duck, no matter what you do is a little phrase called white fragility. You're accused of being a racist. Well, no, I'm not a racist. It's exactly what a racist would say. It's like... It's crazy. Um, You can't defend yourself. You can't defend ideas because your very defense is proof of your racism. And uh, there's a college that has put out a an anti-bigotry reading list that's uh, somewhat problematic. And we'll get into that just after this. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. Alright, getting back into it. Um, hopefully uh, my dog's got all that out of the system. I hope. really can't make any promises though because, well, my dogs are crazy. Um, as anyone who's ever owned dogs will tell you, you can try all day. Get them to do what you want. They're probably just going to do what they want anyways, no matter how well trained they are. So anyways, as I was alluding to before the break, uh, a university has put out an anti-bigotry reading list. Well, so possibly that uh, it might be slightly bigoted. Uh, This is from the Washington Free Beacon. The university's anti-bigotry reading list includes a book that equates conservatism with racism. George Washington University's racism resource syllabus draws ire of students and faculty. This is uh, author Christy Clark, a story published on July 15th. George Washington University is urging students to read Conservatism and Racism and Why in America They Are the Same. In an effort to educate them about the dangers of stereotypes and discrimination by stereotyping and discriminating. The 
Solidarity Resource Syllabus, released by the Washington, D.C.-based school's Office of Diversity, provides students with a reading list that focuses on racism in the United States. Among the 126 books, the university says, quote, actively and effectively combat injustice, end quote, is San Francisco State University professor Robert Smith's 2010 book that equates conservative beliefs with bigotry. That label applies to all who subscribe to right-leaning beliefs, including people of color. Quote, Conservatism as a philosophy and ideology is and always has been hostile to the aspirations of Africans in America, incompatible with the struggle for freedom and equality. End quote. The book reads, Repeatedly I was asked, Are you saying that conservatism is racism? And that all conservatives are racist? Aren't the black conservatives, aren't they racist? My answer to most of these questions was a qualified yes. Anti-racism books have emerged atop Amazon's bestseller list following George Floyd's death in police custody in May. Among them are Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility and Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. Smith's book never made to Amazon's bestsellers list, but his work is used in leading college textbooks on, in American politics. GW hosted a number of online programs focused on racism as the nation's capital and other major cities became the sites of mass protests and, in some cases, riots. The university sought to educate students through programs titled Non-Black People of Color Conversation. Role in anti-blackness. Wait, non-black people of color? So they want to get people of color just aren't black to side with black people? That sounds kind of racist. That's neither here nor there. And unconscious bias workshop for faculty. In an email to attendees, the Office of Diversity boasted that 5,000 people registered for events in the past month. The workshops culminated with the July 9th release of the 21-page Hashtag GWinSolidarity syllabus that links to outside resources on the black experience, white allyship, decolonization, and gender sexuality. Wait. If this is anti-racism... What does gender and sexuality have to do with anything? Oh, that's right. Black trans lives matter. Because, you know, you know, more black trans people have been killed by black men who do not appreciate thinking they're going to hook up and suddenly finding Admiral Akbar from... Uh, Return of the Jedi shouting, It's a trap! Which, again, more African-American trans people have died at the hands of African-American men this year than African-American men have been killed by, unjustly killed by police this year. And possibly last year combined. But, you know, 
again, it also, it's like going to the Black Lives Matter website and reading that, yes, Black Lives Matter, but we also want to destroy the I, the Western idea of the nuclear family. Oh, and all the pro-LGBTQIA2++ ad infinitum uh, objectives because Black Lives Matter. Ah, there's a listener in the room called Great Dame Mom. She'll probably appreciate the sultry sounds of a crazed English Mastiff in the background who likes to add her own input to the show. But, you know, they have all these workshops going on where, well, racism is bad. And the only way to do it, the only way to end racism is to stop being white. And no matter what you do, it will never be good enough because, well, face it, honey, you're white. And white people are just the devil. Whitey's got to pay. So, again, um, uh, I need to figure out where I was at here. Oh, yeah. Uh, GWU and the Office of Diversity did not respond to multiple requests for comment. What a big surprise. Uh, the Google document contained the syllabus or the, contained the syllabus was removed from the public access on Wednesday, shortly after the Washington Free Beacon contacted administrators. Oh, it's it's almost like they don't like getting called out on the bull crap. Kinda like how the Smithsonian had a public flyer talking about the the evils of white culture. And how all these evil white culture things should be eradicated. And really it's American culture stuff that's on it. And they want basically eradicate everything that's American. And when they were called out for it, uh, the Smithsonian uh, National African American History Museum removed the link to said flyer because again how dare we call them out on their dumbness and if you read if you read through that flyer a person could say they could take the letterhead off of it and replace it with some yeah, you know, swastikas and this, that, and the other, and say, say this is a neo-Nazi document talking about why white people are better than black people, and it would be incredibly, incredibly racist. But again, it's coming from the Smithsonian, and it uh, it it comes off as wait if. This is white culture. What are you saying about your own culture? Uh, if you're saying that, you know, things like being punctual is a bad thing. Wait, are, what are you saying about black communities and black people? By talking about being punctual is bad. Are you saying that, are you just ginning up stereotypes and ginning up uh, outrage? And, oh, the, the 
white people think that we're so bad because blah, 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 blah. It, it makes no sense to me why they would want to do that, but or to produce a document that could be, you know, used to point out that, you know, you think these horrible things about, you know, you're about fellow black people. Um, it's really kind of, don't know where to go with that one. But not everyone on campus is thrilled with the reading list endorsed by university administrators. Political science professor Samuel Goldman said that such books aim to reinforce an ideology rather than educate. No crap! He added that the relationship between American conservatism and racism is important, but the recommendation gives a narrow view on the controversial topic. Oh, well, that doesn't do a very good job of uh, making an argument against the book. Well, you know, it's there, but, you know, <laughs> it's so narrowly, narrowly defined that you just can't go with that. Smith said the book is, acad or, hold on, I missed a paragraph. Recommending this book as the sole resource on the topic gives the impression that GWU is promoting a specific orthodoxy rather than inviting students to study and reflect. Uh-huh. Interesting. Smith said the book is academic in nature rather than partisan polemic. Uh-huh. He defended this, his book as a historical, philosophical, and empirical study that is more useful today than when it was published in 2010. I think the book is useful to conservatives as well as liberals in light of Trump's blend of traditional and paleo and paleoconservatism is even more relevant today. Um, does this person not have a damn clue who Donald Trump is? Traditional and paleoconservative? Really? Hey, uh, Smith, Smitty, I, I hate to tell you this, but, um, you ask any person who with half a brain who doesn't buy into nationalism and jingoism and all this and populism and all this crap that Donald Trump rode to the presidency in 2016, they will look at you and they will tell you that Donald Trump is another New York liberal Democrat who just knows how to play the system and play people's emotions to get where he wanted to be. Donald Trump will do whatever Donald Trump has to do so Donald Trump wins. Donald Trump is the guy who, when he wanted to build Trump Tower, he went to Tiffany's and said, hey, I want to buy the airspace above Tiffany's. I'm going to build the most beautiful tower in the world. Well, and what Donald Trump thinks is the most beautiful tower in the world and they said no. He's like, well, okay, then according to the city's rules and air rights, I'm going to build the, here's the plans for the ugliest block building you have ever seen. I'm going to put it right next to yours. And don't get me wrong, he was fully prepared to do it. Like I said, he had two sets of plans. 
both of them were ready to go. And seeing that he was not kidding, they they sold him the air the air rights above Tiffany's so he could build Trump Tower. But again, there is nothing paleoconservative about him at all. I mean, when conservatives were very, very concerned with gay marriage and gay rights, you know, not necessarily gay rights, but gay rights activism and a whole lot of stuff back when, you know, Donald, or pardon me, when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were all about the you know, Defense of Marriage Act signed by Bill Clinton and supporting the DOMA. Donald Trump had the very liberal view of who cares they get married. It's not my problem. But Donald Trump is a paleo-conservative and a traditionalist. Huh. Hell, we can't even get Donald Trump to, you know, enforce laws in the United States right now. When he has the full authority to send in troops to, to squash these riots because mayors and governors won't do it. He bucks. Ah, no, no, no. I want to talk a big game. I want to tweet Law and Order in all caps a whole bunch of times, but I'm not actually going to do anything about it. That That's how great a conservative he is. I mean, I've, I have started to take a shine to Donald Trump over the past few years. But you know, Donald Trump here lately has been suffering from a really bad case of nut up or shut up. I mean, to call him a paleo conservative and traditional, oh my God, that's like, that'd be like me talking about how great of a conservative, you know, small government mind Barack Obama had. Anyways, uh, campus conservatives expressed disappointment that the school would promote a book that equates their beliefs with racism. College Republican spokesman Patrick Berlin told the Free Beacon that GWU's recommendation is another example of prejudice against conservative voices on campus. Quote, the GW College Republicans are disappointed that our university, which has been committed to academic freedom, would include works in their syllabus that falsely equate conservatism and racism. The philosophy and ideology of conservatism does not know any one race, color, or creed. It's deeply troubling that GW would chill the voices of students of all backgrounds who identify themselves as conservatives. And it, it really is a scary thought that they would do that. Um... Especially when, you know, conservatism is really rooted in the idea of the individual and individual rights. Whereas progressivism really leads towards, and an neoliberalism, not the good old classic liberalism if you're a libertarian or a 
you know, high-minded libertarian would refer themselves as. But, you know, progressivism and neoliberalism, they lean towards collectivism. Racial, you know, whole race groups, people groups, you know, class warfare. Not the individual trying to pick themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, do better. But all the poor need, they just need everything, you know, to from the rich to help them out. They're, they, they put groups together to form coalitions that, you know, we have to support the, these, you know, where you have the Black Lives Matter meeting the, you know, LGBTQIA2+, ad infinitum, and coming together as hashtag Black Trans Lives Matter. It's like, you know, they, they play the intersectionality card again, try to divide people up into groups and to turn people turn groups against each other. But, you know, if you you expect uh, individuals to be able to help themselves out, individuals to be held accountable for their own misdeeds, as opposed to being lumped into a certain group, and that's the reason why, you know, you know, one cop does something very stupid and disgusting and horrible and suddenly all cops are racist, all cops are violent, all violent, all cops are thugs and all cops want to just kill all the black people. Wait, wait, what? No. You have a handful of bad cops who do bad things and not all those bad cops face the consequences that they deserve. It's a horrible fact of life. You know, there's been cops who are on body cam, on dash cam, doing horrible things, and they get acquitted. Well, that's just the justice system in America. It's not perfect, but it's the most perfect uh, system that, you know, our founders could come up with. You get 12 people, you lay the lay the evidence out there. You know, the prosecution makes their case of why you did it. The defense makes their case of why you didn't do it and how you couldn't have done it. And the jury has to decide, well, does the prosecution make a better make a good enough case that we can say beyond reasonable doubt he did it. And there's times where it goes, where justice is met. You know, um, Botham John, who who was killed by the off-duty Dallas cop. And there's a lot of people who say, oh, she's racist. Well, I don't think she was racist. I frankly think she was overcharged. That's just my opinion. You know, just some just some talking head with a podcast. And when, but, but justice was meted out. She was tried. She was found guilty. And then the greatest thing in the world was Botham John's brother 
He made the entire courtroom cry when reading his impact statement. He forgave her because even he understood this is a horrible, tragic thing, and she didn't intend to, you know, go into his apartment looking to kill a man. It just happened. And he forgave her, and then he hugged her. I mean, justice doesn't always come the form that you think it should in America. But again, it is what it is. But you have these stupid people who want collective justice. They want... uh, Collective, insert word here. You know, in religion, they want collective salvation. Well, your whole group is absolved of your sins because you're victims of X, Y, and Z. Your whole group is condemned because of the actions of X, Y, and Z. And it's just sad that this is where our world has gotten the last I want to say, you know, last couple years, but really for the last 10, 15 years, it's just been moving faster and faster down the hill. And, and, And I want it to, I want to get better. Unfortunately, it's just too many collectivists who are going to, you know, say state is going to stay, Collectivists are going to collect, I guess. I, I don't know. I really need to fire my writer. He sucks. Um, again, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, hopefully someone hears this show and they go, you know, I don't agree with him. But he's at least somewhat rational. You know, and maybe it's it's enough to get them to stop and think. You know, maybe there's some stuff I'm wrong on. I love listening to people I don't agree with. Sometimes they point out some stuff that that you know I was wrong about. As so many people, you know, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. They point to Pat Tillman. And I, I used to buy into the Pat Tillman, you know, mythology, the mythos. Here's this great football player. He gave up his contract to, you know, serve in the military. He became an Army Ranger and, you know, <coughs> pardon me. And, you know, was killed by friendly fire in Afghanistan. And. And, you know, I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And then someone turned me on. No, 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 no. You think you know the Pat Tillman story. Here, read these articles about Pat Tillman. Yeah, some of them were from uh, potentially less than ideal sources. And some of them were from fairly fairly reliable sources and it's like well wow um, to learn that 
He became incredibly disillusioned with military service, uh, the rationale of why we were in Afghanistan, especially after, you know, we've gone into Iraq. And you read the writings of his parents and siblings, and it's like, oh my God, the whole family seemed like they hated the country. And this is, bef- you know, before 9-11. They held some pretty uh, questionable views. So, again, it, even on our side, there's stuff that we can learn. My view on the death penalty had become way more nuanced than just, okay, you were convicted of capital murder, but by zap, you know, go go ride the lightning. It's what you get. And all from listening to people who hold different views. That's how we grow as a society. It's how we grow as a people. Is we have to, you know, we have to share ideas. Um, you know, the founder of Gab was is there. The tech world is trying to deperson him because he lets people on Gab say reprehensible things. And in his own words, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Let people on your pro on your uh, platform say horrible, god awful, despicable crap. Put their horrible, despicable crap ideas into the marketplace of ideas and let them fail. And I agree. There's ideas I have. I'm sure I think they're good ideas. If I put them out in the marketplace of ideas, someone who knows better than me is going to come along and go, no, 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 hold on, stop. I know you really like this idea and you got you got death grip on it. But here, take a look at my idea. Maybe I'll look at his idea and go, oh, okay. I That gives me a, a better way to look at my own ideas. You know, maybe dial this back and, you know, build this, this portion up. Or maybe, or maybe, you know, little Socratic method, you know, back and forth about it. I defend my ideas. He defends his ideas. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe we're both wrong and somewhere in the middle is where right is. I don't know. This is why we, again, that's part of the reason why I do this show. Maybe I can say something that will have a positive influence on somebody else and maybe change some bad ways of thinking. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, I apologize to everyone who was trying to uh, listen on Ramble. Um, I understand that you know, not sometimes trying things like a new platform just doesn't go quite right. Yeah, again, for those of you who are trying to listen on it, thank you so much for at least giving me a shot. It doesn't 
doesn't always go go well. Again, beta testing, it be what it be. Um, but those of you who are listening on the podcast, again, thank you so much for listening there. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, I ask you to do four things. Four little things, nothing major. Number one, subscribe. Then every week when the show gets posted, again, you will get notified. Number two, rate it. Drop that five stars on there. It helps the algorithm find more people like you who may kind of sort of like me for whatever reason yet to be determined. Third of all, leave a review. That way when people see that, hey, you like these shows, check this one out. Oh, let's see. Oh, this person likes it. This person likes it. This person likes it. Wait. Huh. There's this one guy guy who doesn't seem to like it at all oh, everyone else likes it yeah maybe this is the one-off and finally share it send it to someone who you think will like the show send it to someone you think will drive them absolutely bat crap crazy either way i will take that as a win so anyways thank you all so much for tuning in uh, always be sure to go to uh, relentlessdaring.com there at the uh, top of the page and at the bottom of the page, in case you missed it, uh, there's a donate button. Hit that there. You can set up a, a one-time donation. You can set up a monthly donation. Everything goes into keeping the show alive. Same thing with merch sales. If you go to relentlessdaring.com slash shop, check out the uh, hats and t-shirts and all that there. Um, again, it all goes into making this better for you. So, again... For those of you who are donating, you all, y'all are the lifeblood of this show. You keep it going. You keep it on the air. Thank you so much. Diane, you're absolutely amazing for all the things you do. Diane also runs the Relentless Daring uh, fan page on uh, Facebook. She's absolutely great. So glad to have her helping me out with, it, with all this stuff because, frankly, I can't do it on my own. Um, again, thank you all so very much, and as always, stay relentless.